Good morning. Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest sermons ever preached, I'm sure, uh, on the face of the earth, uh, said those words to us to tell us to love our enemies, to pray for those that despitefully use us, and to be uh, his witnesses throughout the world because that's how we live our life. The title of today's message is Gratitude, and I want us to think about the word gratitude and how that it uh, speaks to our life and what we need to exemplify as Christians. Gratitude means the quality of being thankful, a readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Gratitude. We need to be grateful to God, but also we need to be grateful to those that help us, those that we come in contact with, that are on our side, that help us along life's journey. Amen? Amen. You got anybody you can be grateful for? Yes. Maybe it's your sibling that helped you out in a time of trouble. Maybe it's your parents that bailed you out when you got in over your head. Amen? Maybe it was somebody, your great-grandparents or your grandparents that reached down a generation below what normally they do and they spoke to you. Gratitude. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to be grateful. You need to be grateful. The quality of being thankful. During Thanksgiving, it's a season where we all look to God, our Father, and we look at the things He's done in our life, and it's a season where we're thankful. And He probably receives more thanks during this season of the year, in America especially, but around the world, than any other time throughout the year. But how many people would be willing to say today that God deserves our praise all year long? Amen. Amen. Every day that we live, exist, and we have our being, we owe it all to Him. So today as this gratitude is expressed, I hope and pray that we would uh, uh, get something imparted in our heart today to let us know that we need to be grateful every day. Amen? That we wake up with a thankfulness in our heart that says, God, thank you for allowing me to wake up today. Thank you for allowing me to live another day. Let me live my life for you. Let me do the exploits that you would have me to do. And as I think about this message, gratitude, uh, and looking at that Sermon on the Mount and Jesus speaking of that, the way I got there is by this. And it seemed like a picture that I was going to have a, a, a hard time painting. But I was looking for the message from Jonah, the book of Jonah. And we know the story of Jonah, that Jonah was a prophet in the land of Israel, that Jonah uh, lived in a time, in a season of the nation of Israel when there was great turmoil, that there was uh, different things going on, that the king didn't really have a plan and Jonah went and prophesied to the king and they wound up building uh, great things there in Israel and they came back from a time, from a season where they'd been carried away captive and Jonah was preparing the nation and as he was there and prophesying the good things, it's always good and it's easy to be thankful and grateful in good times. Amen? But here we come that Jonah is there and he's prophesying and then God speaks to him. And I don't know about you, but I, I like it when God speaks to me. 
Amen. I like it when there's clarity in my heart, in my spirit, man, that I know without a shadow of a doubt that it's the Spirit of God speaking to me and He's declaring things to me that I need to do. And I enjoy those seasons, amen, other than when He tells me to do something I don't want to. Can somebody say amen? amen. We like doing what God, when God tells us to do what we already wanted to do. Amen. amen. But here He spoke to Jonah. He, said, he wasn't saying, Jonah, go prophesy that you're going to build a great wall around this city or go prophesy to this part of Israel that you're going to recapture land that you've lost to these foreign tribes or go prophesy to this. And it wasn't a good prophecy. It was a prophecy where God spoke to his heart and said, Jonah, you're going to go prophesy to the city of Nineveh. And when you do... It's going to be 40 days and then I'm going to rain down destruction upon Nineveh and it's going to be crushed. And Jonah probably really liked this thought for a moment and he began to think and he began to ponder and then he thought back about how good God was to him, amen, when he had done bad things. Amen. How many can say God's been good to me even though I've done some bad things? Yeah. So as we think that way, Jonah had to in the back of his mind think, if God spared me, he will spare them. Amen. Amen. So as Jonah began to think like this, he thought, I don't like them so much that I'm not going to go prophesy to them because I don't want them to be spared. And we can't come to this conclusion in the first part of Jonah. We have to get there only by the fourth chapter. There's only four chapters of Jonah. It's a real small, short lesson. And I know it's a childhood lesson that we learned in Sunday school and children's church and different things. But there's a great lesson for us to be learning as an adult as well. Amen? Sometimes we look back at those stories and look at them and think, well, I already know everything I need to know about that. Amen? I've read that scripture enough. I've heard that story enough. There's nothing new in that for me. But the Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. Amen? That His Word is always fresh, that it's relevant in our life. So if we look and we try to dig and discern something for ourselves for today out of Jonah, I believe God has a, 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 a table spread for us today greater than the banquets we've been eating at this past week. Amen? I believe His Word is something that can give us nourishment in our spirit man. So today as I think about that, I read, and it's in Jonah chapter 4, and it, 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 it starts out, and it, it's Jonah is whining. Any whiners in the room? Here. Amen. <laughs> Any whiners here? I think it's a room full of them. Amen. So here, here we're in, a, in amongst a bunch of whiners. We're just like Jonah. So, so we can get a real good story about our own life here in Jonah. So Jonah's there. He's whining. And he's saying he, he was basically mad at God because God had saved Nineveh. Because when Jonah went and prophesied to Nineveh, Nineveh uh, uh, repented. They got down, they got sackcloth and ashes. That's what they used to do in the Old Testament. They would, they would cover themselves and they'd throw ashes. And they, it was a sign of being repentant. And as they got down and they repented before God, God lifted his hand and he didn't destroy him 40 days later. So Jonah's just like us, we're whiners. So Jonah's mad because his enemies didn't get destroyed. So the question for us today is, the enemies of our life, amen, amen, to those that we hold offense against, amen, are we happy whenever God forgives them or are we mad and are we whiners? Amen. How do I act when my enemy gets blessed? 
That's something we have to live with. That's something we have to deal with. And God wants to deal with even those parts of our being. Amen. You can be a prophet of God to the nation of Israel and still be a whiner and still be somebody that's so self-reliant and self-sufficient that you don't care about anybody else and you hate your enemies. But that isn't a, that isn't a picture that God wants to paint to the world. And amen, today's church doesn't mean to be a church that picks and chooses which side God is on. We need to be like Abraham Lincoln was and says, I don't know which side I'm on, but I'm hoping whichever side I'm on is the side that God is on because that's the only way we can win. Amen, he, he had to choose. And he said, I just hope and pray that I'm on the side God's on because then we can win. So in our life, are we exemplifying Christ to the nations of the world? And as a church that loves missions, as a church that, that cares about the people of the world, that has these pictures hanging around the wall, and sure they don't look like us. Sure they may have a different collar, and, and they have different things that they do as a, as a, as a society. And maybe their culture's a little bit different. But how many knows that God loves them just as much as He does us? Amen. Amen. And we can't look at, at, at the rest of the world with contempt and think, well, God don't love me in His way. Look at them. They've got toothpicks through their nose supposed to pick your teeth with him, right? In America, that's our culture. Here, he's got them stuck through his nose and his lip. But God loves him just as much as he loves you. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say it. Say, God loves him just as much as he loves you. See, it's easy for us to get in this, this mindset of thinking that it's our way is the best way, or our way, or the highway. But here today, I believe God is wanting to expel some things from our life that we're living in a culture where we think we're always right, but we don't know that we're right. We can only be judged by time when history tells the story of how we've lived. And as a nation today, I pray as a, a nation that we are a grateful nation, that we're a thankful nation, that we have gratitude in our heart for the things that God has done. But I want to live and leave a life of legacy. We don't know much about Jonah, but he, other than the four little chapters, but here he is sitting and, and he's mad. And, and the Bible says that he built a shelter. Everybody say shelter. He built a shelter. In our picture on the wall, this road, this journey of life that we're on, we've got this picture up here, this billboard, this sign along the highway that says that there is basic needs that humanity needs. The four basic needs. Food, water, shelter, and clothing. In Genesis chapter 3, it says when Adam and Eve first committed that first sin and they ate the knowledge of good and evil and they took of it and God come down and the Bible says he, he slew this animal and he clothed them with skins. He made them clothes. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to wear some clothes. Wear some clothes. Amen. <laughs> and I'm not going to get into no clothesline preaching. I'm not going to tell you what kind of clothes you ought to wear. I'm just telling you that God made skin and clothes so that people could clothe themselves. Amen. Amen. I believe in modesty. I believe that God tells us that. So there's, there's the, 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 the clothing thing. And I try to look up some of these things online and, and try to get a picture of, of throughout the world of how many people had these items. And I couldn't find anything about clothing and how many people were unclothed, but there is some unclothed people groups. If you get far enough into the jungles in some of these nations we've got on our walls, you will find people groups that does not have clothing. They actually, over in Africa and South America, they, they just walk around naked. They have no concept or understanding to think that there's anything wrong with it. But in Adam and Eve's case, they knew it. They hid themselves from God because they said, we are naked. Amen? Amen. Yeah. 
So somewhere throughout time, these tribes these have gained a culture that allowed them to think that everything's okay. And this paints a picture of us to say that sometimes in our life, because we're so accustomed to live around people just like us, and we're so accustomed to living with a lifestyle and with people around us that act like us and we don't ever expand our mindset, we actually confine ourselves to think that our way is always right. <coughs> Amen? Your culture can change your mind and warp it into being something that's not godly. Adam and Eve originally knew walking around naked was wrong. But there's tribes in the world today that walk around naked that thinks nothing's wrong with it. The Bible says your conscience can be seared with a hot iron. Amen. Your conscience can be seared like with a hot iron. What's that mean? It means that your understanding to the things of God can be so calloused, your life can become so calloused to it that you don't even sense that there's anything wrong with it anymore. Amen. A life of sin will lead you down that path to where you think it's okay. Everybody say, I hope not. Amen. God, please quicken my heart. Please plow up the, the fallow ground that the Bible talks about where that he can go down and dig and get back to some resources where that he can cause some things to grow in your life. We can become so callous to the things of God that we think it's right when actually we're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's what it was for Jonah. That he had been in Israel so long that he thought Israel was the only nation that God cared about. In short, the Bible says that God loves not Israel. Amen. Paul says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It says that he loves Israel. That doesn't mean he hates everybody else. Sometimes we paint that picture and we look at that. I, this past week I watched a, a documentary about this, uh, the World War II and some of the Holocaust and different things that happened. And I was watching how the, the Germans become so brainwashed, so calloused, that they took these Jews and as they brought the Jews in, they would bring them in on train cars and they would pillage their belongings. They would take, they tell them when whenever they went and got them from their city, they would bring them in from, from Hungary and these different not uh, these different countries. And as they bring them in, they would tell them only take one suitcase and take two or three nice parts of food so that you can make it on the train. When they'd come through the gates, they would take their suitcase from them. They would pillage through it, look for, for, for coins. They would look for money. They would look for belongings, for pearls, for diamonds, for gold, and all these different things. And they would, they would cash that in as a society. And the Nazis was using the money of the Jews to fund their war upon the Jews. But they were so callous that they took them. And because they were little children, and I've seen these pictures and these videos, these little children this tall that they would bring in, and because they couldn't work and couldn't do things and couldn't be slave labor, they took them straight to the gas chambers. Most of the time, within two hours of re re coming into contact with these uh, uh, death camps, most of the time, within two hours, they would be dead by gas chamber. The old, the feeble, and it began with the disabled. The first people that they killed in the gas chambers was the disabled. Somebody with a weak mind. Where their body was frail and broken. Was the first ones to die. And they used them as guinea pigs to figure out how to gas people. More than six million Jews died in the Holocaust. 
because their nation, they thought they were right. Woe be it upon us if we've ever become a nation that gets so callous that we don't sense the heartbeat of God. That we don't care anymore. We just say, well, that's them and I don't need to worry about them. It's everybody else's problem. Amen? If it happened to them, it can happen to us. We need to learn from history. So today, Jonah, so callous, he didn't care. God just killed him. Just kill him. And then when God didn't, he got mad at God. God, you let me down. God, you made me a liar. No. God proved himself true that he's a God that forgives. He's a God that heals. He's a God that delivers. He's a God that says free. Is there anybody in this place today that understands the God that I'm talking about? A God that can bring you out of a mess and then make a message out of your mess. Amen. I believe that God is able to do those things. But as I, I look down this road sign, and there's these different things, food, clothing. We talk about clothing. Food. I, I got them down here. I, got, I don't want to mess up because I, I believe I read up something a while back that said so many statistics that are quoted are not even statistics. So this was off the World Health Organization. 1.6 billion people on the planet today out of the 7.2 billion people are without shelter. Seven hundred and ninety-five million are without food. And sure, we were grateful for the tables full that we had this week. Amen. We had so much that whole families couldn't eat what was prepared. <laughs> it was stuffed in the refrigerators. We ate on it for two or three more days. Then finally got sick of it and threw it out. Amen? We live in a land of plenty. And there are 795 people million people around the world that does not have food. Should that bother us? Should that concern us as a people? Should we care about our brothers and our sisters that are starving? There's 2.1 billion people without water. 2.1 billion people without access to clean drinking water. Is there a cup anywhere here? Get a couple of those cups. Dusty, why don't you go down to the creek? I want you to get me two cups of water. Go down to the creek and get two cups of water and bring back up here. Two point one billion without water. This is the basic needs. I read an article a while back talking talk about work and about plumbing and stuff, and it, it stated that uh, 85 to 90 some percent of the water in America, potable water, water that's able to clean enough for drinking purposes, is wasted in showers, in bathtubs, 
And the little memes that you see sometimes, there was that one little, when I went around, the, the little boy over in Africa, he's standing there and he's looking, he's got that puzzled look on his face. The one that they use all the time. And he looks and he says, so you mean you use the bathroom in clean water and then you push a lever and more clean water washes down? When he goes and gets his out of a muddy mud hole, and in America, we've got so much. We can use it to flush down our excess. Do we even feel guilty about it? Is there even any sympathy inside of our heart to say, man, I, 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 can, I can drum up enough thankfulness once a year during Thanksgiving to say, God, you know what? You're great. Once a year, one day a year, I can drum up out of the 365. This is one little percent, a percent of a percent that, that I can drum up enough, muster up enough uh, heartfelt gratitude to think that I, I've got gratitude today, God. So thank you for giving me this big table full of food and all this clean water. Amen. All this stuff, all these things we have. And, and, and I, I've got gratitude. And somehow we feel like that's enough. Somehow we feel like Jonah did that because we live in this culture, in this society where our, our conscience is really seared with a hot iron, we don't even know that it's wrong, that we do these things, we have this much, and we're not even grateful for it, and we're so callous to that as a society that we can't even see it, that we don't even know. And then when God tells us to go and love our enemy, to go and love those that are outside the walls, to go love those of other countries, and sometimes even in the Christian circle, you can be talking after church and talk to somebody, and they'll talk about, well, just, just let them drop a nuke on them and let, let, it, let it turn into the sand into glass and then let, God, God, let God sort all that out. Needs to be a question that we ask ourselves when I stand before God, is those kind of conversations going to be something that God says, no, that does not exemplify who I am. I'm not talking politics. I'm talking principles. And I believe today that God wants us to see our heart for who we are. That during this season, and I don't want to put a I don't want to put a wet blanket on our weekend of gratitude. I don't want to put a wet blanket on our weekend where we're grateful to God for the things He's done. But I'm here to tell you today, our actions doesn't exemplify God the way it should. As a society, as a culture, as a church. And I thank God that we give away those three baskets. And, and Amy, and you went with Leslie, right, to go give those baskets out. And every year, whenever they do that, Sister Joanne used to go all the time. Sister Joanne's one that headed that up. The only reason we do it is because Joanne started it. Thank you, Sister Joanne. We had people in this room last weekend and said, you know what? I've got too much. Come over, I've got an extra turkey. Jamie, come over. I got an extra turkey. You can take it to somebody else. I thank God as a church that we are so compassionate that we will do those things. Even when sometimes it's things, you know, why not just keep it in the freezer and eat it some other time the rest of the year? No, go ahead and give it now because God will give back later. Amen? Yeah. And there's people, uh, another little young couple, 
Come up last week after church service up at Kentucky Heights campus and said, you know what? I've got so much stuff and, and I've watched their post and they're, and they're hungry. They're, they're self and they come up and they said, you know what? We're going to bring a bunch of canned food so that we can help. Even our poor in America are blessed. Amen? Bring that up here, sir. I bet that's good stuff. It looks pretty clean. That's that's not well. There's a few floaters in it. It looks like a looks like a little two-year-old's been eating crackers or something. Nothing bad. Okay. Let's see here. I need, I need some more stuff. What do you mean, Jonah? Jonah? What do you mean? God? Why do you care about the Ninevites? Is that 10? 2, 4, 6, 8. This represents the people of the world. <laughs> this many has access to clean drinking water. This many doesn't. So I want it to be a reality. Brandon? Come up here. You're blessed. Y'all feel grateful. Right. <laughs> I could have given you one of these other ones. Right, right. <laughs> you probably would. That's why I wouldn't give it to you. <laughs> no, stay up here. You got to stay right there. You got to be afraid. I always had that problem with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bubba, come on up. You're blessed too. Bubba knows he's blessed. Here you go, Bubba. That's yours. Boy, you, you get clean water. We're running out. It's getting slim. Chuck, come on up. You, you look like you're needing some water. I'll, I'll give you some water. Feels blessed, right? Craig, come on up. You, you look like right. Water. Jason's getting nervous. <laughs> you guys don't like Bubba or what? I'm better with There's women in the world too, right? So we got to sleep. Tyler, you probably need water. Come on.
chance, you know. It's really just by chance kind of how this goes. It's, you don't know where you're going to be born. Oh. Was, was you, did you know where you was going to be born? Did you, no. did you pick where you was, no. did you choose? No. Poor Aaron. <laughs> That's what pastors are for. They're awesome like that. You get clean water. Today's your day. trying to get me to pick my grandma. <laughs> I think there will be none better than Michelle. Michelle, you're the winner of the lucky cup. Hopefully there's a lot of friends up here. That's a pretty friendly looking bunch, right? Good looking crew. Everybody's got what you go ahead and take your lid off. Dusty, give me two more cups. So anybody that has a bottle of water, if you haven't taken a drink already, <laughs> if you haven't taken a drink already, bring your bottle over and pour just a little bit of yours in those cups and share yours with the two that don't have it. Just a little bit. Everybody just do a little bit. So you don't have to fill the cup up. Everybody just give a little. Everybody just gives a little. It don't take a lot. Everybody just gives a little. It's going to make up the difference. So now, Michelle, you got the choice. You was born in the wrong country just because you was born in Africa. No well. But now you got a choice because some Christians gave a little. Want to trade? I think I will. <laughs> Aaron, you were born in South America. You got toothpicks in your cheeks. Do you want to trade? Because uh, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. we're all going to drink. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to drink the uh, dirt. Okay. Okay. So now everybody take a big drink and do what my grandpa did. After every drink, he would always drink it. But here's the deal. Where I grew up, my grandpa had this aluminum pail that would go out and would get cold water out of the cistern and put it in it. And it had one scoop. Teenagers don't know this. But it had one scoop. 
and the whole family, but sometimes we would go over there and all the grandkids would be there. There would be 12 to 15 of us running around, hot, sweaty, and we'd go in the house to get a drink and everybody would stand in line, never thought twice about it, drinking from the same scoop. Anybody ever did that? There's a lot of my peers here. Any teenagers ever did that? Now your parents won't even let you drink out of the same bottle as somebody else. Amen? And we wonder why there's allergies and sinuses and infections and all these different things. I wonder if we was just accustomed to it that we got so much germs off each other's spit on the side of the cup that it made us immune to it. I don't know. Jonah, here's the way this works out. Jonah had clean water. Nineveh didn't. Jonah didn't want to share. He didn't want to share his God with the Ninevites because they was different than him. So what we have to decide in here today is how much truly a sign of our gratefulness. Let me shut that door. of our gratitude is, will we share? Jonah didn't want to share his God because he was stingy. You got gum in your cup. Well, I thought you were making me drink that gross one. So I just want to take my gum out. That would have been nasty. Thibaut, did you share? Okay, I just want to make sure. So it's strictly by chance. Just by chance. Nobody picks and chooses where you were born. If they would have, Sean probably wouldn't have chosen the casement. I don't know. Well, <laughs> wait. <laughs> Uh-oh. Make a mama mad now. So the people that's born down in these tribes in South America. They don't chew. Oh. I moved it. It's over here. Okay. So South America. They don't choose. They don't pick, wake up that morning and think as a little embryo, okay, to, today I'm going to land in this nation, in this woman's body, to become who I'm going to be. They don't choose. You didn't choose what family you was born into. We showed the video last year during the 20th anniversary this year of Sister Gartha telling the story about how she grew up on a sharecrop. And Chuck, I didn't know him that. You see, growing up and hearing Gartha preach and hearing Gartha teach here at the church and listening to her do revivals over in Grayson and I didn't know any of that history, so I only had a picture of Sister Gartha as being the preacher version. But little did I know, at an early age, that she lost her dad. She ended up living with some family members, walking, how many miles was it you walked to school? From South End up to where Steve's Market is, in the cold by herself as a kid. Now, Brandon would love, 
This boy walked that far today, but most parents wouldn't. It's okay, Brandon. We love you. Scared us to death a few weeks ago. We was up in Kentucky Heights, and Brandon was there running around, and he ran out, and he about got in the road, and and, and there was a car coming by. It scared me to death. I don't have kids, and it really freaks me out when I'm around kids. So if I'm around your kid and I'm always doing this, it's because I think they're going to die every move they make. I don't understand. Like parents, they just let them fall and trip and whatever. It don't matter. And they won't break. They tell me, I said, yeah, they will. And I was there, and Bradley took off running. I was like, yeah, get back here. Bradley comes back, and Brandon looks down. They even look. Brandon looks and says, I told you not to go out on the road. He's two years old. <laughs> Raising tough, they'll survive, won't they, Brandon? Brandon. <laughs> Love Brandon. He walked around and shaked everybody's hand while I'll go. Good kid. He asked for the Oh, he was used to the yeah. You guys can be seated. Thank these guys for lending their services. So the deal is, what are we going to do with what God has blessed us with? A grateful person, somebody with gratitude will be somebody that shares, will not be like Jonah. We don't know the end of the story of Jonah. All we know is that he gets up under this little this little bush and, and this little bush is causing him some shelter and he's, he's there and he's, he's hot, he's burning up and as he's under the shelter and then all of a sudden the Bible says that God causes a worm to come and drill in the base of that, of, that, of that little branch, that little vine, that little plant that's there and as it's giving him shade it dies that day and then, then Jonah gets even more mad. And it ends the story in the end of Jonah chapter 4 if you, if you go all the way down through it and all the way through the end of the chapter Jonah's still mad. Jonah tells God, God, I knew you were loving kindness. I knew you're loving kindness. I know that you're long suffering. I know that you give mercy. I know that you're graceful. So Jonah's telling God, I knew you was going to forgive the, the Ninevites, and that's why I didn't want to go. And sometimes for us today, whenever the missionaries come and they speak to us about things going on in their life, in their culture, in the region that they're going to, as we look, do we look back and sit back with, with gratitude in our heart that somebody's willing to go, and do we say, I'm going to help support them. I'm going to help financially make that happen for them. I'm going to pray for them. <coughs> $2.1 without water. And the sad part is today in our little demonstration, it's real easy for us to share. It's real easy for us to just give. And everybody in this up here today, they would not have stood idly by and let that person drink out of that dirty cup because they knew they're too close to me. We will help those close to us. But what will we do to those that do? They say, I'm sorry, enemy. And to wake up every morning thinking the people of Iraq and the people of Iran and the people of Saudi Arabia and the people of Kuwait and the people of, of, of Manichal, all these other countries, the Ukraine, are, are, are they all our enemies? And when we share with them the way we shared with these. So the question we have to ask our heart is because we, do we care about people that's like us or do we care about people that's even different? I believe today God is telling us we need a change of heart. Amen? Amen? A grateful heart needs to be a heart that is, can see God and ask God to change us. Amen? Won't you stand? Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, 
singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Making melody in your heart. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes? Anybody here to say, lift your hand today to say, Pastor Ben, I didn't realize how ungrateful I am. Amen. Amen. There's hands everywhere. Amen. I didn't realize how ungrateful I really am. And I didn't realize how grateful I ought to be. So today in this place, I want us to pray together. you grab your neighbor by the hand that's standing there with you. I know we're German folks, but just go ahead and grab him by the hand. I want us to pray together. Pray for those people on each side of you. Just begin to lift them up and ask God to help, help you as an individual become more grateful for you to be able to realize and understand of how much God has blessed you with. Begin to thank Him for the things He's done in your life. Thank Him for His forgiveness, for His mercy, for His grace. But also pray for those people that you're touching hands with and pray that God would just move upon their heart. That He would allow them to understand the richness of His love throughout the world. Of every tribe, of every nation. Because when Jesus left off the ground and He looked back at His disciples, He said, go into all the world and preach the good news. Make disciples of the nations. He, he told His disciples, make disciples of the nations. He didn't say just go to one people group or one type. And it, it even astounded the Jews that later on that, that it astounded them and as God worked through the Holy Spirit to move upon them. And it, even Peter, he got dumbfounded because one time he was on a rooftop and God gave him a vision of eating unclean things and he didn't want to, but God said, I'm telling you, you have to because it's symbolic that you've got to go after the Gentiles. I want you to just pray in this place today that when God would allow us to even go after our enemies, that He would allow us to love them unconditionally, that we could even look to other nations and that He would change our heart, that we wouldn't be so calloused. Is there anybody in this room that can be honest today and say, that's me? Pastor, I've been that way. I've watched too much news. I've been conditioned to my culture, to my society. And today I need God to transform my life. I need Him to give me a clean heart. 
and renew a right spirit within me. Heavenly Father, I come to you and I ask you to move upon the hearts in this room today. And God, I pray as we make disciples here at Bethesda, Lord, that we will be true disciples, Lord, that are grateful all year long. But God, we would see and we wouldn't rest easy, God. We wouldn't be able to lay down in our comfortable beds and turn on our air conditioning or our heat. And God, we wouldn't just take all this for granted. But God, we could look with compassion for those around the world that don't even have water. God, help us. Make us like you. Give us your vision, God. Help us to become like